Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Greg Whiting. Greg is an expert in trauma through many different modalities, and he really helps us understand what trauma is and how it pretty much manifests itself in the regular world. So I hope you guys love this episode, because I sure did. Guys, check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Greg Whiting. Welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with Greg Whiting. Greg, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, a lot of your work, uh, it pretty much deals with stuff I love talking about on this podcast all the time. I, I don't know, I guess you would call yourself maybe like a trauma expert. Uh, how, how do you kind of define yourself? Yeah, I help people heal anxiety, depression, chronic pain that's often symptomatic of unresolved trauma. Um, I'm working with neuroscience, energy medicine, somatic and mindfulness-based practices, um, really helping people heal what they've not been able to think or talk their way through um so yeah i'm a healer all right healer yeah i love that that's a good way to put it <laughs> um and honestly i've uh, i've been doing like a lot of somatic practices myself in the last uh, year uh kind of with my own like chronic pain issues and i know how powerful they can be so it's like such a cool yeah it's such a cool area of field i guess eh? yeah. um I was wondering, uh, maybe if you can explain to my audience then, like, we talk about trauma and, like, why would trauma, an underlying trauma in us, why would we develop uh, anxiety or depression or chronic pain? Like, what is our body trying to do um, to kind of, like, mask that trauma? Yeah. So, you know, trauma is any lived experience that has been historically too overwhelming, where we felt isolated, we lacked support, so we didn't have the tools, the resources, or the bandwidth to kind of metabolize or process the impact of that adverse experience. So we hold on to it, right? And so we hold on to it in our cells and our tissues. And that residue of trauma is going to start to create stagnation, right? And I look at health as movement and expression. I look at disease and illness as stagnation. So that stagnation of emotion is going to create the brain fog. That stagnation of emotion is going to compromise the immune system. That's going to, you know, jam up just how blood, nerve, and lymph supply flows through our system. So that's going to have a cascading effect on our hormones. That's going to then, you know, have a relationship to our behaviors and our beliefs. And so, you know, all these pieces are completely connected. And so, you know, healing trauma is helping to to break up the the noise, break up the stagnation to get our life force energy to kind of circulate and rebound. Um, and, you know, when we allow the, the energy in our body to recirculate, then we are able to return to a state of wholeness. Um, you know, I often talk about the concept of innate wisdom. And so innate wisdom is 
it was developed in chiropractic. It's like if we have a paper cut, there's some wisdom that will orchestrate the healing response and send platelets and proteins and orchestrate all these biochemical transmissions. So, you know, healing is just getting us reconnected to our innate wisdom. You know, the body is designed to heal. Um, mm-hmm. if we're connected to our innate wisdom. It it can, you know, but any any impact of stress and trauma, you know, starts to short circuit the nervous system and we start to kind of lose that connection to our innate wisdom. And then we start to have kind of a backlog of, you know, energy that gets stagnant and, you know, the body holds on to. Yeah, that's a, such a great explanation, man. And I love how you said that, uh, like an innate wisdom, because that's such an Eastern philosophy kind of way of looking at medicine, right? They always say it's like, they never say like, oh, there's something wrong with your liver. We're going to go in and fix the liver or something. They say like, no, we got to get your body back to wholeness. And once it's at that wholeness, it heals itself. And I, I, I really love that whole idea, just like getting back to wholeness. And what, uh, what do you mean by like energy blockages? Uh, just for like people who won't understand that kind of term. Um. You know, I'm thinking of one client who was coming in for migraines and for depression, and they had been going to traditional therapy for literally two decades. So they had a very good intellectual understanding of, you know, their pain, um, but that didn't help release how the body was holding on to it. So anything and everything is energy. So that could be a stagnation of emotion, of thought, of belief, and you know, they had been working with neurologists and they had been, you know, treating it medically, but they hadn't addressed, you know, the emotions that their body was storing, you know, in their case, that was a lot of shame and fear. And so as we helped their system make sense of, understand, process and metabolize the shame and fear, well, the migraines go away, right? The depression Mm -hmm. goes away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then their behaviors and their beliefs start to kind of become more organized around possibility instead of pain and so yeah stagnation is going to get in the way of the free flow of our life force energy you know i think of i like the imagery that we're a symphony orchestra and Mm -hmm. so all of our tissues our muscles our organs our cells our memories our beliefs emotions are all vibration And when we're experiencing health, that symphony orchestra is making music and all the different parts are in communication and they're all in this harmonic balance and there's Mm. just resonance happening. And then stress comes along, trauma comes along, the nervous system gets short-circuited and all these parts that had been playing together in one symphony start to forget that they're on the same team. They turn their backs to each other and they're no longer in unison. So... Mm -hmm you know, instead of harmony, instead of resonance, we start to create a lot of noise. And that noise is our symptoms. That noise is our illness, right? And we just haven't developed a relationship with our body to actually pay attention to those symptoms until they're really, you know, screaming at us. And so then sometimes we need to take extreme measures when, you know, we haven't been paying attention, you know, from the early onset where some of those symptoms might've just been a whisper, you know, just like these small signs of imbalance, um, you know, so it's really about tuning into, you know, 
how the body is communicating it to us through symptoms and how we can learn how to listen to those symptoms and then adjust. Okay. Like how am I, how am I out of balance? Where did I short circuit and how can I bring that back online? Damn. I love how you say that. And it's like, like, listen to the body. It's like a hundred percent the main thing. And I love that. And uh, yeah, I think one thing to add to that, I think it's really important for people to know like our body does this because it's thinking it's protecting us. Correct. So yeah, these mal, you know, a trauma response, you know, often like we like the idea of like how, if you've ever seen a bird fly into a window and it drops to the ground and you think the bird's dead, but it's actually just in shock, right? So Mm -hmm. flying into the window, that impact was too great for it to make sense of. So it's in overwhelm. So it goes into a freeze response and it's completely in shock. So that, that, response is attempting to save the bird from the overwhelming pain of the impact of flying into Mm -hmm. the wind. Over time, the bird is able to kind of come to and shake off that response because it's metabolized that pain and then it flies off. Right. So yeah, when our nervous systems get, gets short circuited, there's, you could think of these stress responses, you know, fight, flight, freeze, appease as ways the body is trying to protect us, right? Mm-hmm. It's trying to function as a sacred guardian. Um, but sometimes what was a very useful protect- protective strategy in one phase of our life becomes less useful in other phases of our life. And so, you know, what had payoff may have more cost later on. More so, I think we often start to identify with those responses um, where, you know, once the bird shook off that freeze response, it flew off, it was no longer frozen. Mm-hmm. But parts of us will kind of still remain frozen. Parts of us will still remain kind of in that that fight or flight, you know, sympathetic mode, even when we're in complete safety. So it's how we continue to perpetuate these stress responses when they're no longer necessary that gets us into trouble. Yeah. And uh, one thing you did say, it's like you were talking about that guy with migraines and like you were saying how he kind of intellectualized what was kind of going on with him. But can you give us an exact or tell us why, like even just understanding like conceptually why this is happening, it doesn't really help. But when we move into more stuff like mindfulness or somatic tracking and stuff like um, in that realm, um, you can actually start seeing changes being made. Uh, What's the difference between like the conceptualization or the mindfulness uh, aspects that the mindfulness actually works a lot better? Yeah, I mean, thinking our way through healing is really keeping us just from the neck up. Mm -hmm. Um, And the neck up is the conscious mind and the conscious mind is what we think we believe. And the subconscious and the unconscious mind is actually more, more close. It more closely reflects what we truly believe. And that's beneath the surface of the conscious mind. And that's what resides in the body. So our subconscious and unconscious beliefs and behaviors, motivations, drives are all living within the body. Um, And so if we're not coming to healing with more of a, a body-based approach or, you know, energy medicine is helping us open up, you know, the stagnation in the body, um, which is then going to help us have more of a somatic experience um, where we can feel ourselves, um, then 
again, we may have a, a greater intellectual understanding of, you know, our pain, which can certainly give people relief. And mm-hmm. there is value in that. And sometimes that, that approach is very necessary. Um, but it, it might not, ha- it might not be the, the full, it, it might not provide the full answer to the impact of trauma and that residue as it relates to the body and then the symptoms that, you know, arise out of that. So, you know, I work with a lot of autoimmune disease. And if you look at kind of the emotional components of autoimmune disease, it's like feeling attacked, right? It's like the immune system's turning on itself. But if we have a trauma response where we feel like the world is dangerous and, you know, we have to keep looking over our back, well, that's going to start to reflect itself in, you know, certain types of illness, right? And so, you know, all of our physical ailments have this emotional component. And so, yeah, a somatic approach, a mindfulness approach, an energy medicine approach really help to get to the heart of, you know, that impact on the physical body. Mm-hmm. And I love how you said that, like, you have to kind of deep dig deep into like the subconscious and the unconscious. And that's where your real true beliefs and all of that stuff uh, is. And it's, it's true, because it's funny when you think about like your actual thinking mind, your everyday thoughts, you really do sometimes believe like, oh, this is how I think this is what I believe. But truthfully, like, when you dig deep, you'll notice that a lot of that isn't true. And there's like, it's good to go deeper into yourself and find out what you really believe. I find that uh, very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when you say we talk about stagnation, and I love how you're talking about this, like we say like, okay, there's emotions stagnating inside of us. So you as a healer in your, uh, in your uh, practice, how do you like when you see somebody with these kind of stagnated emotions, how do you go and dig these up or find a way to like, process these in a healthy way yeah so yeah i actually don't make any effort to dig them up and as much as i help people heal trauma i don't focus on trauma you know my job is just helping people reconnect to their innate wisdom and so the more we connect to that innate wisdom the more the the symphony orchestra that we are comes back into harmony Mm. and and the more the noise which is the trauma the stress starts to break up And so that really gets us out of kind of a pattern of chasing symptoms, suppressing symptoms, treating symptoms, and instead treating people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, when it comes to trauma, that helps a lot of what that looks like is helping people feel supported and connected, helping people feel safe, helping the nervous system land, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're not defaulting to um fight flight freeze or appease but we are shifting to more of a rest and digest state Mm -hmm. so healing is really creating the climate for us to access and for the innate wisdom to come back online and and then healing healing is a happening less than it is a doing right Mm -hmm. but we often come to you know a healer or a therapist or a practitioner of any sort because we think we need to fix something because we think something is wrong or something's off. Um, And I'd say even a lot of holistic practitioners are still treating from a top-down approach. So they're still trying to treat and fix the symptom. They're trying to take some action to affect some cause. Um, 
And that's not really a trauma-informed approach to healing because it presumes that the practitioner knows what's best for the body instead of the body. So mm -hmm. my role as a healer is to follow the body, um, not guide it, um, because the body has in its own innate wisdom and understanding of itself. So I'm just helping create the climate for that understanding to come back online. Damn, that's like, that's awesome. That's like a really cool way to describe that. I really like that. So I guess if you're talking about everybody's different, so then you're pretty much like every like person you meet, you're going to treat it in a different way. It's something that's unique. Their treatment's unique to them, correct? Yeah, there's no cookie cutter approach. How mm -hmm. I work, you know, case in point, I had two identical twins that I was working with. And so they have the same, you know, genetics, they had the same environment, and they actually were struggling with some of the same health challenges. Um, how I worked with each of them was completely unique, because each of their innate wisdom had a different pathway in terms of how to resolve and heal and, you know, bring balance back into focus. Um, and so, and they, you know, each experienced a new state of health differently, right? Because they are still unique despite sharing, you know, so much in common. Um, so yeah, I can have a lot of folks that are coming in with anxiety and depression, but, you know, one person's anxiety might be tied into, you know, developmental trauma. Another person's anxiety might be tied into, you know, the impact of some traumatic event later in life. Um, you know, one could be more organized around, you know, social anxiety, you know, so there's, there, there's so many different factors, you know, I look at the symptom is the tip of the iceberg. And so what we want to look at is all the causative factors that are beneath the surface and the underbelly of the iceberg is much larger than the symptom. And the underbelly of the iceberg is the unique subconscious and unconscious patterning that, you know, that each of us has developed, right? Mm. Oftentimes in early development, uh, all around, you know, our perception of safety and this, our strategies around survival, the parts of us that we felt we had to hide in order to survive, the parts of us that we've had to perform in order to survive, um, whether, and all of those maladaptations to stress, you know, we carry with us. And then we develop a, a pretty strong identity around these, these aspects so healing is also helping to dissolve the identity around our survival strategies. Um, so we don't have to carry them 24-7. Um, and, you know, we can still have, you know, we can still have armor to put on when danger presents itself, but not carry it 24-7 as if it's who we are. Hell yeah. And uh, I like how you say we identify with our with our strategies for um how are you saying like with our symptoms and stuff we start identifying with them with our like stress responses and everything um why like how do we do that like we, we can kind of like like if i have anxiety i'll start kind of saying like this is my anxiety and like we just kind of just accept it or how does that work you know and i think this is where the mindfulness component comes in to I think it's very easy for us to identify with experience, right? So I am fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I am anxious. It's different than I'm experiencing some anxiety, but our brain is often going to default to I am 
anxious or I am overwhelmed. And a mindfulness-based practice and a healing practice helps us to shift to, well, you know, there's a cloud of anxiety or overwhelm about me today, Mm. but I'm not that cloud. You know, I'm Greg. There's a cloud of anxiety about me. Um, Really who I am is the empty sky, you know, beyond the cloud. Even if it's a very cloudy day and I can't see the empty sky, I can have a remembrance that that's who I am and not identify with the weather, right? So Mm -hmm. we're often identifying with the weather of experience. um, And that identification then is going to tend to like keep that that weather pattern intact, right? If we're identified with it, it's not going to come and go as easily um, because we're, we're grouping to it. We're holding on to it. Mm-hmm. That's uh yeah, that's a perfect way to say it. <laughs> that had like a very, uh, the poet Rumi, that kind of uh, the clouds and the weather. I love that. <laughs> um, I want to know like yourself, like uh, how did you get into this uh whole modality and like did you kind of have your own experiences with uh, this any kind of trauma that you had to kind of figure out your way through yeah so I was first introduced to energy medicine um, just by chance through a friend who was a massage therapist who first offered me a massage and at the time this was 25 plus years ago I was living in so much chronic pain that I didn't want a massage so she offered me she introduced me to energy medicine which you know, I had never heard of that was completely foreign to me. Um, but I had implicit trust with her. So I thought, why not give it a shot? Um, and I instantaneously found my body just starting to melt, you know, this holding pattern of just chronic tension just started to soften, you know, I was able to access a deeper breath. So I immediately knew I found something I didn't even know I was looking for. I found something that I didn't even think was possible. Um, you know, I was inches away from, you know, antidepressants and pain meds. I thought that was the only route. I thought that was what you do. Um, and so within a year of that introduction to energy medicine, I started to study energy medicine, um, you know, pretty intensely, intently for about four years. And then that led me to India, where I started to study meditation and mindfulness. When I came back to the States, I started to study yoga and Ayurveda. I started to fuse all of these teachings together, started to teach them. At that point, my spine had started to unravel the severe curve in my spine. You know, the pain, the anxiety, and the depression started to dissipate. Um, And then I started to teach um, here when I moved to San Francisco nine years ago. And one of my first students was a therapist who um, said, you know, you're teaching trauma-informed healing, which I didn't have that language at that point. I understood I was healing my own trauma, but I didn't know what trauma-informed met, mm. meant. Um, and she was a professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies. She invited me to become her teacher's assistant in the trauma course that she was teaching for the psychotherapy department. Um, so that's when I started to kind of deepen into like an understanding of trauma and neuroscience Um, which I kind of had an innate understanding of through my own experience of healing. But now I kind of had a knowledge base to kind of, yeah, overlay my own, you know, my own lived experience with. Um, And so, yeah, in the last few years, I've kind of reverse engineered how I kind of intuitively piece together all of these different practices out of my own need for healing. 
Um, and that's what's kind of led me to develop Prisma. So now, you know, what I teach is a trauma and neuroscience roadmap through an eight week online course. The seven Prisma pillars are kind of the drop pin on that roadmap. So I feel like a lot of times we can go to a therapist or a healer and we're on this journey, but we don't really know where we are or where we're going. Hmm. So the map and the drop pins provide that kind of helping to map an arc of from pain to purpose. And then the somatic and mindfulness-based practices, um, I offer, you know, three um, sessions per month where, you know, we can learn about somatic and mindfulness-based practices. And that's one thing, but putting them to practice and then embodying them is another. So I share three sessions a month to help my students really anchor in kind of a practice. And then the energy medicine component, I offer a once a month workshop. Uh, so students develop an entire foundation um, to an energy medicine self-care practice. Damn. All right. I really, <laughs> that's impressive. And so your chronic pain, you said you were talking about like you had like a curve in your spine and and this was like to deal with that. It was kind of like trying to get past the noise, like you were saying, and kind of get back to your wholeness. Is that how you kind of dealt with that as well? Yeah. So working with all these practices and all these tools was how I yeah, pieced together the framework I needed to resolve the trauma that was you know, holding my system, you know, in a very guarded way, right? So our body starts to kind of take on the costuming of our subconscious and unconscious beliefs. So if I was oriented towards, you know, this hypervigilance, you know, this fear response, this trauma response from my pain and my wounding, you know, my body reflected that. So as I started to heal that trauma response, then my body was able to restructure itself and no longer hold that costuming, no, you know, no longer hold that patterning. Um, so that's why, you know, whether it's the emotional imprint or the physical manifestation, they're one and the same, right? So, you know, the physical, the chronic pain, the severe curve of my spine, I'm three inches taller today. You know, the anxiety wow. and the depression were all organized around trauma. So as we heal the trauma, then all these other aspects can start to resolve themselves. Mm -hmm. Three inches taller, goddamn. <laughs> so uh, can I can I ask you that, like, what was the what were the practices that you were doing that kind of helped helped you get to the bottom of your trauma? So all the, the pieces of Prisma that I developed. So it's the trauma and neuroscience, the somatics and the mindfulness and the energy medicine and just mm. laying all of those over years. Um, and so, you know, it's, we're, we're t often told in this world when people are suffering from anxiety or depression that there's a chemical imbalance. So oftentimes people are, taking a medication to treat a chemical imbalance, but no one's really asking why is there a chemical imbalance? So what if the chemical imbalance is actually just the tip of the iceberg and the symptom? And what if we address what's beneath that, which is often trauma? So if we address the trauma, heal the trauma, especially how it's stored in the body, perhaps chemical imbalance starts to reconfigure find a new baseline and then perhaps the anxiety and the depression start to shift as well 
Um, mm. And in my case, chronic pain was a big component of that as well. Um, and those three tend to have a big relationship, you know, and so the folks I work with, you know, tend to have one to all three of those elements that are kind of feeding into each other. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like, especially when we talk about chemical imbalances, like we technically our behaviors and what we do in life influences what chemicals release in our bodies, what hormones, what like neurochemicals and all of that. Like, I, I remember even on your one page, you were talking about like something, oh, what was it called? Like a cortisol addict, like someone who's uh, like addicted to perfectionism and you're kind of showing like how you're addicted to that hit of cortisol, right? Yeah. Um. And then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? We just, we just start feeding off of that, even if what we're feeding off of is harming us. But if that's all we know, you know, and that's a big piece around complex trauma, which is often in early development when trauma is quite normalized and that's all we know. So if that's all we know and we don't have another template that's modeled for us, then, then that's just, that's how life is. And so it might actually feel very dangerous to to experience life any other way, even if the this you know pulsing of cortisol is actually pretty harmful in the long run. Uh, it might feel more threatening to um, to not be living from that place uh, mm. because that would be so foreign, right? And we often fear what is unknown. And so, you know, there's something to be said about titration and healing. And again, that's why I'm not really busy chasing symptoms and I'm not trying to heal trauma. I'm just helping people realign to their innate wisdom. And mm. as we realign to our innate wisdom, then we start to get a taste of what life is without just that, you know, constant hit of cortisol. Right. Mm. So then we get to like suspend that patterning for just a brief moment and get a taste of what the, the parasympathetic, the rest and digest state feels like. But you know, I love the imagery of a seaplane landing on water. So the seaplane kind of touches down, but it's going to like bounce up. It's not, it hasn't fully, you know, it touches down on the water, bounces up. It takes a while for it to fully land and like, mm. you know, let the, the force of gravity kind of help it settle. And so, you know, healing is very similar, helping to regulate the nervous system is very similar. It's not a one and done, you know, we're going to get a taste of that rest and digest, but all of a sudden that's not going to like, that's going to feel so foreign. Like, nope, let me default to what I know, the cortisol, the high stress, the fight, the flight, and then, oh, let me get a taste of it. Maybe I can tolerate that taste a little bit longer, but okay, nope, that's too much. Let me bounce back up. So it's creating an invitation and the climate for us to get a taste of balance a taste of music but if all we know is noise and static you know our our whole again our whole identity is organized around the noise and static all of our behaviors and beliefs are organized around the static so that's the world we know so mm -hmm. we can't go from the world we know to a whole new world it's like like that we get a taste of a new world and then each time we bounce back to the old world there's kind of a we're gathering data points between the old world and the new world, which is helping our brain kind of make sense of why we've been locked into this old feedback loop. But then we've also gotten this taste of this other place. And mm -hmm. so we revisit the new place. 
yeah, we're doing this cost payoff analysis. And, you know, a lot of this is happening on the, the level of the subconscious mind. But over time, that helps us trust in this new baseline. And again, that's more of a happening than a doing, you know, as much as I, you know, have my seven prisma pillars and, you know, you know, dozens and dozens of tools and frameworks and practices. We practice the tools and frameworks and practices, and that helps us, you know, access more of this new baseline. It helps us access more of the innate wisdom. And that's why we practice. The more we practice, the more we access our innate wisdom. And then the more our innate wisdom can guide us to this new baseline um, within ourselves. Yeah. And I, that analogy of like a seaplane landing and kind of bouncing off the water. I think that's a great one. Um, I, I like been suffering with chronic pain for a long time. And uh, in January, I started working with a therapist um, in like somatic trapping. And like, uh, he really helped me like, learn about like identifying that stress response and um yeah just kind of sticking with it mindfully and just kind of telling your body like hey I'm safe I'm safe and like it really it really helped me and I went like three four months with no uh, uh pain at all I was working out all the time weightlifting again which I love and I was just feeling amazing like you know how you're saying I found my like kind of more of my authentic self and then like I went through a really kind of traumatic period with my dad, like uh, just a couple months ago. And uh, my <laughs> my stress response just kind of went through the roof again. And then I had like a really bad like June and like a little bit of July and stuff where my pain response, my pain came back like just full tilt and um, my anxiety came back full tilt. And it was just like, really bad and like uh, the last couple of weeks it's finally I'm kind of getting back into kind of getting back into like maybe sinking into the water a little bit like it's the with the seaplane analogy um but yeah that it, it kind of sucks when you when the plane bounces back up that feeling kind of sucks and then you just go like what the hell like I just fucking did all that work and <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was done with this and then all of a sudden you're back up and you're kind of back in all those stress responses again. And it feels very defeating. Like, I, I don't know how you, uh, how you kind of talk with people when they are in that defeatist attitude. Well, you know, the imagery of the seaplane is an invitation to normalize that experience. Cause I think, yeah, if we default back to some of the old patterns, we can easily judge ourselves, beat ourselves up feel defeated. Um, but if we understand that that's actually part of the, that's part of the process, that's the name of the game, you know, healing is nonlinear. Um, so that each time we default to the old pattern and the seaplane bounces back up, that's where we're gathering the next set of data points to help us understand the subconscious and unconscious programming of the stress responses. We're not always going to catch that those data points in real time. It might be the next time the seaplane lands in hindsight, we can be like, oh, that's what was going on when I defaulted to that old pattern. Mm. So each time the stress response visits us, it's an invitation to, you know, and this, the mindfulness-based practice is to pause, notice, and actually lovingly accept what is. 
um, which again, we don't do that in, when we're um, at the effect of our stress response and trauma, mm-hmm. we're often judging it, beating ourselves up. So that's a lot of the mind training there is to say, okay, I have defaulted to the old stress response. This is probably a part of me that feels pretty afraid, that feels at threat. It may be indicating to an you know, a part of me from early development that has some unmet needs that, you know, need to be tended to. So how do I make contact with this part of my lived experience? And how do I, this is where kind of the parenting of self comes in. Um, You know, so this is kind of the, the tending to one's emotional needs and how do we develop that relationship from ourselves to ourselves? Mm. Again, we're often not when we're like in the throes of that, that stress response, that's going to feel pretty challenging. So it's when we locate that resting state again, that some of that reparenting can happen. But, you know, I think it's important to normalize that as part of the process. Um, And, you know, our experience of health is never static, right? Um, And fixed, it's always evolving. So understanding that symptoms are a part of health um, and just gathering more and more tools and resources to be in communication with those symptoms and to be more adept at responding to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the energy medicine piece, which is what, you know, I feel is a really integral component of, you know, my healing practice and what I share with my clients and students is very much a tool that calms the cardiovascular system shifts us from the sympathetic fight flight to the parasympathetic rest and digest and it improves and activates the immune system so it's very much helping to kind of shift us into the uh, a physiological state of of healing um and so it takes time it's a practice and and life is always going to throw curveballs at us right so lived experience today and tomorrow are will most inevitably kick up and activate imprints of our past. Mm-hmm. But we become, we get the mindfulness-based practice helps us create more space and more awareness and more distance. And, you know, the embodiment when we're, we shake off that freeze response so we can come back into our body affords us more agency um, and more presence, um, you know, but we, we develop all of these aspects a little bit at a time and then a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful way of saying that. Um, just with your own uh, kind of trauma that you had, because it seems like you dealt with it for years and years and now you're kind of years and years removed from it. Do you still feel that sometimes bubble up? So the chronic pain, the depression, um, nope, those are experiences that I don't carry with me anymore. Um can life still be challenging? And do I get triggered? Absolutely. And do those triggers take me back to imprints of trauma that then invite me to continue to parent parts of myself and be in, um, you know, a healthier relationship with myself? 100%. That will be a journey that continues. You know, that's, that's I think, part of adulting, so to speak. You know, <laughs> you know healing helps us be in relationship with ourselves. And we'll be in relationship with ourselves, you know, as long as we're, as long as we're, we're breathing. 
Yeah, and actually the way you uh, said, said that healing helps us be in relationship with yourself. Sometimes you're like, it kind of like, because I remember even those few months where I dealt with the pain was gone and I just felt like the most whole ever. It almost felt like a blessing. Like it was just like, oh, that pain like really made me like really understand who I am at a deeper level. And I kind of saw it as a blessing afterwards. It really felt like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I, uh, I don't want thing you did talk about, like, how do you, what do you look at when you sing, look at our society now? Like, it kind of feels like we almost normalize, like, these mental illnesses and, like, uh, ways to just allow these trauma responses to just kind of go on and on. Like, do you feel like that? I, I mean, I feel like our anxiety and our depression is very much a healthy response to a very ill world. And I think we're addressing mental illness on the individual level, not the collective level. And I think that um, as if it's an individual's problem, but it's actually a, a, a societal problem. And this is generation upon generation upon generation of, of wounding and trauma that is really catching up with us. And I think we're in a phase in our, excuse me, history where we can't not look at it, right? Mm. I think you know, in decades past, a lot of wounding was kind of more taboo and no one spoke about it. No one, you know, mentioned it. It was just kind of buried beneath the surface. Um, people are still suffering tremendously, but no one was acknowledging the suffering. Um, and, you know, I think over the last few decades, there's been more people who have been acknowledging their pain and, you know, navigating their pain. And I also think on the collective level, there's just so much pain now that it's it's spilling out. You know, it's like the um, we, we we don't have a choice but to look at it. I mean, we could still turn our back on it and do nothing about it. We so we have that choice, but um, you know, we can we can ignore something that's right in front of us, but it's it's right in front of us for all to see, which can feel. Yeah, could feel pretty overwhelming. Um, and yet I think that's, we, we have to see it to heal it. So I look at it as an opportunity for us to, on a collective level, um, really reconcile a lot of the pain of the past. And that could be a turning point for us on a collective level. And that's, yeah. there's no guarantees in how we navigate that. And that's, and even with all the right tools and resources, that's a messy process. Yeah, I bet. I don't think that would be easy. <laughs> it doesn't sound easy, at least. Uh, you were talking about, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, because uh, like you have, you said you worked with the university, um, like with the psychotherapy um, people there. And like, I was wondering, like, now that you've seen like how, like being trauma informed can like help with like a lot of different kind of diseases that are almost epidemic in like our society right now do you see like any kind of changes in actual like western medicine or any of these fields that are actually becoming more trauma informed and like actually taking you know wanting to heal these diseases in other ways besides just like looking at them as chemical imbalances um it's hard for me to speak on an entire industry. Um, no, I, 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 I'm actually not directly in. Um, I, I do know some Western medical doctors who have kind of 
moved more into the realm of coaching so they can help their patients um, more in a non-medical way. Um, I do know there's lots of doctors who are working in an integrative approach because they see that it's beyond just, you know, symptoms management and pain management, which is sometimes very necessary. You know, if we don't pay attention to our symptoms for a very long time, they may become so grave and, you know, severe that we, we have to depend on, you know, a, a medical or intervention or, you know, um, medicine. Um, and I, you know, I work in, you know, I have one of my um, partners who refers a lot of patients to me as a psychiatrist. He saw one of his own patients no longer needing medication because they started to heal with me. Um, and to his credit, he asked, you know, her what she was doing differently. And she said she was working with me. He picked up the phone because he was curious. Um, and so he sends a lot of his patients with PTSD to me, um, who, you know, his set of tools is to medicate them. Like that's how he can help them. Um, uh, but he realizes that even though he doesn't understand what I do, um, he knows that it's effective. So he'll send P his patients with PTSD and complex trauma to me. Um, uh, I was just actually on a podcast last week with, um, a school administrator and they're bringing trauma-informed education into the school system. So yeah, I do feel that there's waves of change happening, um, but I think a lot of times that's, you know, I think that change is happening because of, you know, people demanding that, right? So if more and more people want to heal, then we're, we're it's like, he, he, if we want to heal on an emotional level, if we want to heal kind of on a more integrative level, then we, we need to actually go to the places that are equipped to do that right? It's like you can't buy bread from a hardware store, right? And so, um, but eventually a hardware store might realize there's a high demand for bread and they might decide to open up like, you know, a, a side shop to, to <laughs> offer bread. So I feel like, you know, in the medical system, we're seeing some attempt to offer more integrative approaches. There is Reiki and energy medicine and a lot of oncology departments and hospitals, um, oh, wow. There is a recognition of the value and the demand. Um, and so, yeah, I, I see that happening. And, and I think that's slow change. And, and I think there's a lot of healing available if you are willing to just not be in the traditional model of, you know, I look at our traditional healthcare system is really a sick care system and it's not really creating the climate for healing so much. It is, is just addressing symptoms and managing pain. Um, and that's a very big difference. And, and, and I'm all for an integrative approach. You know, I, I want my clients to work with their Western medicine doctor because sometimes that's necessary. So it's not one or the other. Yeah. But sometimes you're not going to be able to get everything you need in a one-stop shop. Yeah, and I'm especially noticing that too with the, like the rise of autoimmune diseases. I've met so many people who've had this, and I can understand how bad the suffering it can be when you have one of these diseases. But it doesn't seem like a lot of them are getting too much relief from Western medicine. And then when you kind of go into the underlying understanding that there is some sort of trauma that is setting off like a reaction 
in your body constantly that can lead over time to like something like your immune system attacking yourself then you kind of understand like you can kind of see like okay there, there needs to be some different approaches to this right yeah and yeah a lot of folks that come to me for autoimmune they've been told you know they've been told it's all in your head you know or there's nothing wrong with you uh, when clearly um, there is something going on and it needs to be addressed. Um, again, you, you just need to address it with the right wisdom and with the right tools. Mm -hmm. Cause like, even like something like fibromyalgia, which is something that I think we see all the time now, they don't even know how to like, really, can they diagnose that like in Western medicine and just kind of be like, Oh, we're actually seeing fibromyalgia or is it like, are they just kind sure. of, yeah. Um, you know, and they may be able to treat some of the infectious allergen components of fibromyalgia, but that may have a limited, um, the, the effectiveness of that treatment may be limited if you're also not addressing the emotional components in tandem, because the stagnation of emotion is going to compromise the immune system. So even if you're treating the infectious allergens medically, the immune system may be so compromised that it still just is not going to have the wherewithal to actually respond well to the medical treatment. Um, and so, you know, healing the imprints of trauma, the residue of trauma then helps to release some of that stagnation. So then the immune function can come back online and function as it was intended. Um, and so, yeah. That's awesome. All right, Greg, thank you so much. This is, uh, honestly, I love talking about these uh, topics and you're so like informed on them and just, it was just great to have you on. I got one more question. It's the name of the podcast. So, uh, Greg, I got to ask you this, God, yay or nay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'd say, mm, I'd say meh, meh. Um, <laughs> I, I, my work helps me connect to an experience of God without any belief organized around it. Um, I think belief can actually really get in the way of our experience of um, that, which is divine, um, that which is universal. Um, and so, you know, in that respect, God can just be another concept or, or construct. And sometimes the concept actually can get, again, in the way of just direct lived experience. So in terms of a concept, I'd say um, nay. Nice. Honestly, that was such a good answer, too. <laughs> um, Greg, thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, let my audience know where they can get a hold of you. And like, honestly, anything you want to promote, uh, let them know right now, please. Yeah, prismamethod.com is the online community and the online course. So that's where I'm teaching the trauma and neuroscience roadmap, the somatic and mindfulness-based practices, the energy medicine, like literally all the tools I've used to heal my own anxiety, depression, chronic pain. Uh, folks who want, want, want more, and that's at prismamethod.com. And folks who want more one-on-one -on -one support, I have limited space to work with clients. So folks that are suffering from anxiety, depression, chronic pain, recognizing that trauma is often a component that's tying all those pieces together. Um, so gregwhiting.com and you can learn more about me, my practice, schedule a discovery call. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll toss that into the podcast description, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Greg. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. And all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often. Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.